To understand my story, you sort of have to know a teeny bit about our trespassing laws in our country in that we don't have any as long as you're respectful and non-destructive. You can walk over any hills you like and in my case, camp on any beach of your choosing. So long as once you leave the area, it is how you found it. I used to love camping when I was little. Our family would go multiple times a year with a large group of my parents, friends, and their kids. On average, there would be maybe 10 of us at a time, which was a bit of a logistical challenge since we always headed out to this one really remote beach on the coast. Actually, we weren't the only ones. There's always yachts bobbing just off the shore with people in them and other campers lining up and down the beach. Most of them also had children or teenagers, so it wasn't a wild party scene. It was very much an informal family holiday spot. There was even a small building with toilets and showers installed nearby, even though it was in the middle of nowhere. I guess the local council must have figured it out and got sick of people peeing behind bushes. We took a trip up in spring 2011. I'm really bad with the time, but I know this because I just got my dog in the winter of 2010 after picking her out in November from a shelter as a birthday gift from me to me as I paid her adoption fee. I know you all love dogs and she will be very important to the story later. So let me tell you a little bit about Parmesan. Parmesan came to me as a six-month-old puppy who had been rescued from a dog-fighting situation. We're not entirely sure what breed she is exactly, but my best guess is a lurcher staffy mix. She is a wonderful, well-tempered dog with people, and most dogs, but you absolutely do not threaten her. She'll have you. So by the time of this camping trip, I had Parmesan for a few months. She had never been camping with us before, but as far as my family are concerned, dogs go on camping trips. So when we all piled into the car, she came too. Unusually though, none of our family friends could make it. So it was only me, my sister, my dad and my mom. I didn't mind. I wasn't attached to the other kids. I'd rather play with my dog and I'd still have my sister. The drive took the best part of six hours because we left a bit later, although I don't remember why we had left later than normal, and we ended up arriving at sunset. Not a good time to be building a tent, but we expected to arrive to the other campers already set up and the beach illuminated by campfires. However, the beach was empty. In spite of this, my parents started taking out the stuff to build the tent. They asked us to fetch some of the lighter bags from the boot of the car while they sat pointing the flashlights on the sand to see properly. I rolled down the window of the car for Parmesan before getting out. It was pretty hot for the time of the year and I wanted her to have air. Anyways, I always gotta be looking out for my furry little homie. As we were fumbling about in the dark on the beach in the middle of nowhere, it's pretty spooky. The road that led us to the beach was circular and had a bridge over the water, meaning you could basically circle the beach in a big O shape if you felt like it. I wasn't really paying any attention to the road. After about 15 minutes of my dad trying to nail down the tent into the sand, my mom asked him, have you seen that car drive around? It's been a few times. My dad kind of shrugged it off. He's sort of like that. 
I don't know if he said anything back to her, but after a few minutes, a car pulled up next to ours on the road and someone got out. It was maybe 15 to 20 feet from where the cars were and the light was pretty low, except for the torches. We weren't expecting to see anyone else out there at this point. I think my mom said, it must be security. I don't know why a random beach would have security. I think what she meant was wildlife trust or something as they occasionally come down there to check on things. The guy was walking pretty unevenly. He must have been drunk or high because he had a stagger to him. There was absolutely no way this guy could be sober. Cool, a junkie. Not unusual to find, but it's rare to see them in the wild. As he walked up into our flashlight range, we realized that he was carrying a large knife, maybe 15 inches. Although, I was small at the time, so maybe my sense of scale was off. I don't like my dad, but credit to him, once he saw him, he got up immediately, holding onto the camping mallet, and putting us behind him. The man began to shout wildly at us that we can't camp here, and that he was just letting us know. My dad tried to initially be a little low-key with the guy, and told him that was fine, and that we would leave, but that didn't work. He kept coming closer to us. So my dad started shouting and the man kept shouting back. My sister and I were crying. I remember shaking. I was utterly terrified as I'm sure anyone would be in that situation. It really did seem like this guy and my dad were going to get into a fight. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't fancy my dad's chances. While it's grim to consider, I absolutely was convinced that he would have killed my dad and possibly us as well once he was done, as I don't think my mother would have the common sense to run with us. I love her, but she's always put my dad and her relationship with him above us. This isn't how it went down. A bolt from the black, like a wolf descending on his prey, took us all by surprise. Most of all, the man with the knife. In that moment, Parmesan was an apex predator, large canines represent in nature. She got him by the arm and clamped down hard, ripping his jacket and shredding his skin underneath. He dropped the knife as it had been in the arm that she had gotten by. He kicked her, punched her, and eventually got her off. He grabbed the knife from the sand and ran back to his car and drove off. Parmesan didn't follow him. She stayed with us, mouth covered in blood. Quickly as we could, we gathered our things and all got back to the car, all pretty shook up by the incident. I looked Parmy over. She was okay, but the car's window was much more open than I had left it. We think what happened was when the shouting started, she must have pulled her paws on top of the gap that I had left open for her. As it was the older car and had the rolly down windows and not the electric button, I think she must have been able to hit it with her paws and force it down enough to squeeze out. This is not the end of my story. We were all pretty scared and since we had a dog with us, couldn't book a hotel for the night. My parents decided to just drive home so we could all feel safe. But first, we had to drive to the nearest town for petrol as we were kind of low. I spent the time trying to clean up Parmy a little. I always loved dogs, but what she just did for me blew my mind. As we drove through the town, we came across a petrol station, but it looked closed. My dad drove up closer to get a better look and stuck his head out the window to look at the sign. 
My mom asked him what on earth he was doing and he told her that he was trying to see when it opens. Never. My heart fucking sank. Parked in a corner behind a van, so we hadn't seen him at first, was a man with a knife. He was sitting on the hood of the car, using some tissue paper to clean up his arm. It looked pretty bad. Without stopping to refuel or look anywhere else in town, my dad drove right out of there. We decided to go to the next town over, but the next town over was 60 miles away. We didn't have that much petrol. As we realized, as we were driving, we were going to break down. That's fine, Dad said. We had AA cover. They'd come to tow us home, or at least somewhere acceptable that night, better than staying in that last town. After driving for maybe five minutes, lights started flashing us from behind. Another car. The same car the man had been driving. It was him, following us. He must have realized we were low on petrol. The next half hour was the worst half hour of my life. I had a complete and utter breakdown. As did everyone, really. I could tell my parents were trying to keep it under wraps, so it wouldn't upset us. But we weren't really little kids. We were both double digits, and we knew how dangerous the situation was. The man followed us for 55 miles before he peeled onto another road. Our fuel meter was on the big red E for empty for the last 10 miles. We were driving on fumes. I don't really believe in God, but if he does exist, that was definitely one of his miracles. Once we got there, we drove to a petrol station and refilled to a full tank before driving the rest of the way home. My sister and I slept in the car after that. I only woke up once we had made it home, just grateful that nothing worse had happened than that. After getting some sleep, my mom phoned a non-emergency line for the police and reported what happened. They never got back to her after that, but apparently the woman she spoke to said they may wish to in the future, as he matched a description given by a suspect one in a relation to a murder charge. No idea if it was actually the guy, or just a random psycho. As I said, they never got back to her. So what's the takeaway then? Other than the crazy man on the beach, let's not meet. Well, for me, it's that I love Parmy. She's still with us now. Old as the hills are, and twice as grizzled, as one of my mom's friends likes to joke. I don't know why she did what she did that day. I couldn't tell you what her thought process was. What I do know is, this poor puppy was born into an environment where they abused and neglected her, only to be rescued and taken to shelter, where her mother and siblings all found homes before her. Despite how badly people had treated her, when I took her home, she forgave but never forgot. I think the saying is, never trust a person who doesn't like a dog, but I always trust a dog when they don't like a person. They have a very good understanding of human body language, and I think she must have understood how much danger we were in. If you're able to do so, please adopt. You might find yourself in a situation like mine one day. I promise you that if you're willing to save a four-legged friend's life, they will pay you back tenfold without the thought of their own safety. I paid 78 pounds for her adoption fee, but it chills me to my bones knowing that if I hadn't been so insistent on a dog, I might be dead. To begin, I spent two and a half years in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, 
where I attended and finished my degree at Northern Michigan University. The area is spectacular and includes miles and miles of sprawling mixed deciduous and evergreen forest. It is truly the ideal wilderness compared to many areas of the Midwest. During my time there, I had hiked alone many, many times, usually never feeling anything strange. The only instance I can account is when I sat on a log to take a break while hiking a trail about 13 miles out of town, and the forest fell to a dead quiet. I mean, it has to be one of the most unnatural feelings ever. Very odd, but that's not what I am here to explain. My girlfriend and I decided to go camping at a nearby state park, Van Riper State Park. If you look this place up, you can see that it's heavily forested for miles around the park. It's not likely that some people would come down here just to play pranks and make noises in the middle of the night. I just wanted to make that clear. So at 3am, while we were asleep in our tent, the most unearthly, ape-like, even demonic sounds came from what sounded like 20 yards from the tent. I'm an incredibly light sleeper and always have been. I shot up in absolute fear. The sound was unlike anything I'd ever heard from any animal or human for that matter. It was so loud. I couldn't believe my girlfriend didn't wake up, or other people at nearby campsites. The strangest thing about it was, wherever it was, it didn't appear to make footstep sounds. Nothing. It was that demonic growl slash howl, and then there was nothing. I lay there, frozen in my sleeping bag. I beat myself up over not jumping out of the tent to finally see what could be pursuing people in the wild. But when something like that happens to you, you are frozen. I'm an individual that has been trained to think scientifically, not jump to conclusions before doing proper research. I tell you this, no moose, no bear, no large mammal that is native to those woods would emit such a sound. The sound still haunts me to this day. I mentioned in the title that I wanted to make a connection. If you guys watched The Missing 411, The Hunted, I'm sure you're aware of the audio tapes from the Sierra Camp which was recorded back in the 70s. If you listen closely to the end of the clip, there is what appears to be a metallic clanking sound, which I don't believe came from the gentleman recording. A couple of months back, I listened to a podcast on Spotify titled Almost Missing in the Wilderness. It is done by Paranormal Mysteries. There was a story about a girl who was hiking with her dog and explained how she became startled by this metallic sound after feeling like they were being pursued. The narrator states that she described it as a hammer hitting a tin wall. When I heard this, my stomach dropped. In the audio clip in the latest Missing 411 movie, you can clearly hear this sound. I am beginning to think more and more dots can be connected. I apologize for the link of this post, but I urge you guys to check out the recording as well as listen to the podcast and draw your own picture. As always, stay safe out there. Always bring a hiking buddy. Tell people where you're going. But remember to have fun and enjoy the natural beauty we are blessed to have. This is actually two stories in one. 
the main story happened less than 20 minutes ago at about midnight. I was out doing some late night fishing at a small but deep hole on the side of the state road near my house. Every time I fish here at night by myself, I worry about what would happen. What would I do if someone was to pull over next to me? Quick detour for the second story. I wasn't always like this. I used to fish by myself in the middle of the night all the time without having a care in the world. But there was this one night about 10 years ago, which perhaps merits its own post, but I will slide it in here and include it in the story anyway. I was fishing off a seawall next to a bridge and a car pulls over next to me. Two young men, but older than me at the time, get out. They walk up to me casually and asked if I'm catching anything. I told them no, not really. I wasn't at all suspicious of them. I thought they were going to fish and they were just asking me if I had any luck or not before pulling out the gear. The bridge was on a popular fishing spot. I was sitting on the cement seawall with my legs dangling over the edge. One of the men suddenly shoves me off the seawall into the water. They both grab my fishing gear and take off in their car. The fall was only about 7 feet or so, but it was just enough that I couldn't lift myself out of the water up the cement wall. I had to swim around to where the water was more shallow so I could climb up the wall. My mom had dropped me off that night and I was supposed to call her to come pick me up later in the night. My cell phone had gotten wet and would not work. To make matters worse, I was a smoker at the time, and my cigarettes had also gotten wet. As you could imagine, I really needed a cigarette. I didn't know what to do other than just sit there, knowing eventually my mom would drive up randomly. She was furious until I explained what happened. I shuddered to think about how I or anyone else that they would have done this to could have died. These people had no idea whether I could swim or not, and apparently they did not care. If they had seen the news the next day that I drowned under the bridge, would they have put two and two together? Would they even care? Even if you assume everybody is a strong swimmer, the person could have easily hit their head, and there are many rocks under the seawall. And for what? $50 of cheap fishing gear? Clearly ever since that night, 10-ish years ago, I've been much more cautious when I'm alone at night, but especially when I'm fishing alone at night. So back to what actually happened tonight, which triggered me to write this post. I had luckily just finished up and loaded my car back up with all the gear. I was actually sitting in my car making an Instagram post showing off a fish I caught a couple of yellow bullhead catfish, and some bluegill. I was trying to quickly write a post and then head home, so I was deep into the world on my phone, not really paying attention to anything else. Something causes me to look up out my driver's side window, and there's a pickup truck sitting there that I didn't even hear pull up. It has one of those big steel frame structures around the bed of the truck. I don't know what they are called, but I associate them with hunters and trappers. I have no idea whatsoever if that's an accurate association or not. I do feel like I've seen them, or something similar, holding kennels of hunting dogs, so maybe that's where I got the idea. There's this very stereotypical chubby redneck, mullet type guy looking out the window at me, smiling a creepy smile. He was a passenger, 
I did not and could not look past him to the driver. I have no idea how long they were sitting there. I very quickly debated winding my window down and asking them what they wanted, but settled on putting my car into drive and driving around the truck and down the street. I was so freaked out that I didn't immediately go home. I went somewhere else and pulled over, looked around to see if they were anywhere to be seen, and then I actually went back to the fishing spot to see if they were still sitting there or not. I did not pull over, I just drove by. They were not there. It will drive me crazy wondering why they pulled over. Did they have something bad planned? Were they just curious and wanted to help? Will I have to worry about seeing them around town after driving off on them like that? I realized that my reaction is not completely fair. They could have just been pulling over to fish. Although you have to realize how small this fishing hole is. It's literally a fishing hole on the side of the road. It's probably around the size of a dining room or something. They could have pulled over there to see if I needed help. Who knows? All I know is I was thinking if I rolled down my window to find out what they wanted, I could have ended up with a gun to my face for all I know. Then I wouldn't have a chance to drive off, so I drove off without acknowledging them in any way, so that I didn't miss my chance. Even now I'm worried about the fact that my car has some slightly identifying marks. Not crazy noticeable, but just some small stickers in the window. And if I piss them off by driving off like that, and they live around here, what if my wife meets up with them sometime? What if she has my daughter with her? Am I just paranoid? I'm still a little freaked out. I'm a 17-year-old female who lives in Florida, and I've always been aware of many Native American cultures even though I'm not that heritage myself. I'm not sure if this is pertinent, but... So I timelined and tried to write down everything I remembered about these experiences to give me a guide when writing this. It started from when I was very young, and the first instance of this happening was when I was living with my grandmother. Her and I were very close. This will play in later. I was wide awake in bed, unable to sleep with her to my right. There was no doubt in my mind that she was deeply asleep only a few inches from me. Every television in the house was off, and the only other person in the house was my grandfather asleep in his room. Then, very loudly, I hear my grandmother call me from the kitchen. Almost how you'd be called for dinner. I know it's common to hear your name being called mistakenly, but I did more research on this as a teen, and apparently when you hear your name being called this loud, you're supposed to reject it. I did not. Not knowing this, I just huddled closer to my grandmother and kept my eyes locked on the open door. The second instance was around 13 or 14, when my father took me on a family trip to Las Vegas. We visited some part of the Grand Canyon, and while my family was waiting in line for a skywalk bridge we had paid a tour for, I wandered around the edge a good distance away from my family, and decided to yell my name into the canyon to hear my echo. When it came back to me, it sounded distorted, almost like my grandmother had yelled my name back. It might not have been to my grandmother exactly, but very similar. Nevertheless, just the fact that it was distorted was enough to scare me a little. 
I don't put too much weight into this experience because it might have just been my voice being thrown weird. This next one happened when I was 13 or 14 as well. It's the most terrifying one I've had, and every time I tell this story to people, I just start to tear up. This is the closest I've ever been to whatever this is, and it proves my point that it's mimicking people I care about. I was on vacation with my family in Key West and had rented a home. I invited my best friend, who we'll call Ash, to stay with us. On the third day, we had decided to skip out on the boating trip and mooch off the house owner's Netflix all day. On about the fifth episode of what we were watching, we decided on a snack refill and bathroom break. We pause the television and I make my way into the kitchen. I believe that Ash had followed me into the kitchen and leaned on the island while I prepared some chips with my back turned to her. I held a full conversation with whatever that thing was and even looked back at her on her phone. I fully had no doubt in my mind that I was talking and looking at Ash on her phone. I turned my back for a split second to pick up the bowls and suggest that we head back to the couch when I saw Ash, or the real Ash anyway, walk out of the bathroom which was a solid 30 feet away. My body immediately went cold and the first thing I asked her was how she got to the bathroom in and out without me hearing. She then gave me the weirdest look and told me that she's been in there the whole time since we got up. This is where I started freaking out and insisting that I had just been talking with her and physically saw her. She joked about doppelgangers and how maybe she was going to die. I quickly suggested that we get out of the house and walk around the neighborhood. She then informed me that she had gotten her period while she was in the bathroom the same time I was talking to whatever it was. We walked around until mom called me that she was back in the house. We're still best friends to this day and have been for 11 years. And today, I asked her about it before I wrote this. She says she didn't hear me talking with anybody at all. Now, at this point, you guys must think I'm crazy, but for this one, I have a witness. I felt a little less crazy after it happened with people who freaked out just as much as me. Again, I was on vacation near the Great Smoky Mountains. But just a little west of Sevierville, Tennessee, we had our previous reservations canceled. So we took this little rundown cabin owned by a local woman. Now we got up there late at night, and the moment we all stepped out of the car, the first thing that we heard was a man's voice saying, Hey neighbors! Coming from a cabin to the left of ours that was higher up on the mountain that we were on. We couldn't see the cabin really, just a road that led further up so we assumed that he could see us but we couldn't see him. Probably just some guy on his balcony. My friendly stepdad yelled a, hey, and we waved up towards the direction it came from. It wouldn't have been weird if this didn't happen every time we step out of the cabin or car. My family completely wrote it off as some type of hospitality that we weren't used to in Miami. Retelling it, my brother and my friends agreed that it's weird. I did hear consistent footsteps around the cabin at night, and some outside my window. It was a cabin raised probably a story or two off the ground. But I don't give it much thought since wildlife is a thing in the woods. Just something I thought I should mention maybe. The thing that really propelled me into researching what the fuck was happening to me 
was when I was having a photo shoot in the woods behind the cabin, and both my brother and sister and I heard something calling my name deeper in the woods. Since I was with my younger siblings, I went into full big sister protection mode and almost threw them back down the little slope that we had to climb to get into the woods. We were shitting bricks from how clear it was, and how we all pinpointed where it was coming from deeper in the woods, from nowhere near the cabin. This was during the day, and we were so thrown by this, we stayed in for the rest of our trip. We all agreed that it was a woman's voice, and the first thing that I asked my mom when we got back inside was, Did you call me? She had been lounging in her room with my stepdad all day, trusting that I could take care of the younger ones just outside of the cabin. She saw how freaked out the kids were, and we really didn't go out at night for the rest of our trip. I think I reacted badly to this one, mostly because I had the kids to take care of, and I could tell that they were terrified out there. Again, the voice sounded like somebody was looking for me or calling me back somewhere. With no knowledge of what this could be, I had finally decided to look into things when I turned 17. I had no previous knowledge of Wendigos or Skinwalkers or anything cryptic. Only shitty ghost investigations and Zach Baggins making something out of a scratchy EVP. I'm desperate for answers, because at this point I'm constantly thinking about it and driving myself into rabbit holes of information and myths and legends. If you read this far, thank you so much. I know my writing and recounting may not be so good, but I was just trying to get everything and all the details in a cohesive place. Please let me know what you think, and please feel free to ask for more information on something if you think it would aid in helping me out. Much love to anybody who can help. Ray. <laughs>